Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Rudy Daji. Rudy, how are you today? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. One of my favorite things is to talk to people like you and really dig in to your unique story and your insights. And I know you have an incredible background and a journey to success. So I can't wait to share that with our listeners today. So Rudy, start by telling us a little bit about, I know you've got business experience, you've done a few different things. Tell us how you made your way into the real estate space. Yeah. So originally, or I still am, I'm a pharmacist by profession and I went to school in Boston and um, really enjoyed Boston and you know, I'm from Massachusetts originally. And <clears throat> after I graduated, I did a fellowship, I moved to New Jersey and then I came back to Boston and I said, look, you know, I want to, I want to buy a condo in, you know, Mission Hill, which was sort of this gentrified area that was up and coming. And I, I feel like I kind of missed the wave a little bit and I probably overpaid, but um, you know, there was a brand new three family essentially building that they put up. And so I bought the second floor and said, look, I'm going to live here. And um, so that was early, like my foray into real estate was buying my initial home and as I sort of progressed in my career in life and made different moves, and, you know, I just sort of collect things and never get rid of them. So I kept it and I rented it out. And now it's one of my sort of best producing investments um, because Boston's just continuing to grow. Mission Hill has continued to prosper and restaurants and industry are there. And, you know, there's never a time that I can't get that rented out either to, you know, folks that are in the medical community or to students that are going to, you know, local colleges there. Yeah. When you buy right at the right time in the right space, it's just, you know, it's, it's always on the up and up, but Rudy, tell us a little bit more um, about your pharmacy background. Cause I know you're quite a successful businessman. So tell us a little bit about your journey there as well. Yeah. So I started off in pharmacy and I'm a pharmacist, like we talked about. And ultimately I had, after I had purchased this condo in Boston, I was doing pharmaceutical sales and I ended up uh, taking a job 
in a, an independent pharmacy in Connecticut. And I moved to Connecticut and I said, look, I'm going to keep my condo in Boston. So I moved to Connecticut and I worked there for four or five years. And I said, you know, I built this amazing business for these owners. And I was, I was like, you know, I can do this for myself. So I went out and I found a broker and I bought a long-term care pharmacy in Brockton, Massachusetts. So I moved back from Brock, from Connecticut to Brockton or to Weymouth and then Easton. I didn't sell my house in Simsbury, Connecticut. I rented that out. I was making You got to add it to your collection. Right. You just got to keep <laughs> adding properties. So, um, and you know, and it, it sort of the timing wasn't right either. So the market wasn't there for the sale of the home. So I was like, well, what are my options here? You know, this is happening. I'm moving. I bought this business. So I rented it out and I was, you know, probably making like $500 more than my mortgage. And, you know, um, the folks took care, great care of the house and that really worked out. And then I was also renting my condo in Boston out. So I came back to Brockton, Massachusetts, bought this business uh, it was a long-term care pharmacy. It was sort of a mixture of different things. And I just really saw the opportunity to focus on the behavioral health business. Um, and so over the past six or seven years, we grew that business from a $10 million in revenue company to a $50 million revenue in company. We're the biggest group home provider for behavioral health, doing six, 700 deliveries a day across the state. Um, and, uh, there was an opportunity to exit that business to a private equity firm. So I exited that business while I owned that business. I was still sort of dabbling in real estate. When I bought the business, I bought the building that it was in as well at that point in time. And then I also bought another building in Foxborough. Um, and that was interesting. I bought it from four different people that owned it. So getting a deal done there. Uh, was a little bit challenging. A lot of cooks <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> right. And, you know, I also learned a lot of stuff buying that building. Um, so lots of things about parking lots and how expensive they are and roofs and HVAC mm -hmm. and elevators. <laughs> um, so, so a whole education really, there. <laughs> right. Really, really good experiences. Uh, so once I exited the business, and I stayed on first as a CEO for a little while. And then I you know, sort of moved on from there. And then I really started focusing on my real estate. And you know, I also built a brand new 33,000 square foot building for the business to move into. We just outgrown this, this space. So I owned that building. And when I sold the business, I still kept the building. So currently the company pays rent to me. And then the old pharmacy that we were in, the, that old building, I renovated that building. And now there's three tenants in there. Um, and it's a really large lot. So we're going to be building another building on top of that, uh, on that lot as well, uh, just to add more square footage and to, you know, increase the opportunity to, to build rent. And then I've been acquiring other properties uh, as well in multiple cities in the, in the South Shore. So, ah, so well, I definitely want to Dig yeah, into the real estate stuff. Um, but first, I wanted to go back to one thing that you and I were talking about um, the other day, which was um, in your um, the, the long-term 
care pharmaceutical company that you owned. Um, you had mentioned that you got into the behavioral health space when a lot of people weren't doing that, when people didn't see the opportunity there, and they also didn't, they didn't see the opportunity in serving this population. And they sort of turned the other way. And there weren't a lot of people serving this population. And instead of turning the other way yourself, you decided to really dig in there and think about, okay, well, how can we? And I think it's that resourcefulness that really um, translates to success, not only in that business, but in um, your real estate ventures as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that, yeah, that is really important. So it's about identifying a niche where you can play where other people aren't playing, where they so, you know, Omnicares and Pharmericas and all these big players were like, well, look, we want to service a nursing home with 150 beds. We can go one stop and deliver it there. You know, group home setting, you have five individuals that are residing in, you know, a traditional home set setting. And, you know, it's definitely a logistics business and it was an underserved community and they really valued sort of getting some attention. And the way that we focus or the way I look at business is about partnering with any organ anybody that we work with. So my tenants in my buildings are my partners. The people that we serviced and the organizations that we serviced are partners. Um, so they're not customers, you know, and so you really need to identify how you can make their life better. How can you become integral um, in their day-to-day -day operations so that you're providing more than just a service. And that's really what we did was we went above and beyond what a typical pharmacy would do. And we would provide trainings and we would provide deliveries when they needed them. And we would cycle fill medications so that they'd get one delivery every 28 days versus multiple deliveries. And we take the workload off of them. So, th so, and it's the same thing about that I've found in real estate is identifying things that you sort of can hone in on, right? I, I generally, you know, I, during the pandemic, I had zero vacancies and I didn't have anybody that didn't pay me rent because I focused on healthcare-based companies to pay as tenants in my buildings. And when I look at buildings, you know, I generally look for buildings where the cash on cash return is 15 to 20%. And then you got to look at what those dollars mean too, right? Because you can't pay a mortgage with percentages. Um, so I think there's just a lot of different things in the way that I try to view any investment or business is how do you, how do you become better? How do you differentiate yourself? How do you provide a different service? And what is, what is it that you're looking for and how do you refine your approach to it? So with the first building I bought, I learned a lot of things and I sort of keep applying that forward. And before that it was cap rates. And now I'm, I've moved on. I'm like, you know, well, I'm looking at cash and cash returns, like after mortgage, how much money am I putting in my pocket? And what are the renovations that are going to be needed to make this building be top notch? And that's the other thing too, is a lot of folks, don't maintain their buildings and maintenance is extremely important in my opinion. You know, I don't want something to fester for 10 years and then have to go in and spend $500,000 to bring it up to a quality standard. And in the interim, your tenants have said, this building isn't worth me paying this much in rent 
or they're looking at other spaces, or they expect the rent to remain the same. So all of our buildings are always top notch all the time. They're you know definitely diamonds, um, and I think that's really important because if you want to get the highest amount of rent, which is going to benefit you in the long term, because that's money in the door day one that you can invest into other things and roll forward rather than saying, oh, okay, five years from now, I'm going to like fix the building up and then I'll go try to reassess the rental situation. Um, it's all just about sort of being having like forward thought and, you know, looking into what is the best opportunity for you and, and sort of investing in your own properties. Mm. You know what it's making me think of as you're talking about all of that is when I was growing up, my mom wanted, she said, you should go into business. And I said, no, I'm not going to go into business. Like, ugh, that's just like spreadsheets and numbers. And that's not helping people. Right. But I didn't understand at that point. I thought right. if I wanted to help people, I should become a physician or a scientist or a lawyer or whatever. Right. And it wasn't until, until I got into this space and real estate, you know, a lot of people think it's about the buildings and the, um, the land and the development, all that stuff, but it's not, it's really a people business and it's a relationships business. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's providing that level of service. And I think that's really the differenti differentiator, especially these days is, you know, it, any two deals could look the same, but it's that experience, it's that service through your pharmacy company, as well as through the real estate is you're trying to provide that experience for people where they will want to stay. They will feel like they're a part of the community. And I think that's one of the things I love most about real estate is that you can provide that level of service and that experience for people. Absolutely. And it's so easy now because nobody provides service. So if you just answer your phone or return an right. email, people are like thrilled. Yep. Um, it's, this is the easiest time to make money and be successful in business by just caring, just doing you know what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to show up at nine and fix the faucet, show up at nine and fix the faucet. And people are like, this is amazing. Um, it's it's definitely, you know, a really good time. And it's really an easy time to be really successful. And, you know, that's another important thing that we really do too, is that we are extremely responsive to our tenants. You know, we do not let things, you know, go on and fester or, you know, if we get a phone call or an email, you know, that is dealt with immediately that day, if not scheduled out to get done when we can get somebody in there that needs to take care of it. So, um, and as you progress in your sort of portfolio, you sort of look at when things make more sense to in-house. So there was a certain point in time where it made sense for us to hire in. So we have our own property manager, a person that works for me that manages all the buildings and takes care of sort of minor level things like, okay, you know, painting walls or doing those certain items or plowing certain lots. And as we've grown, then we sub out other larger projects, but we have you know, a very finite crew that we work with that are very consistent and, you know, sort of happy to work with us. And, you know, as we've looked at projects, you know, we've acquired equipment because you can deduct the cost of that equipment. And it ends up being that you can own, you know, a skid steer or an excavator for the cost of what the work would have been and you get the deduction. So there's just lots of different things. Real estate is a great business to be in because there was a lot of passive income 
And it's sort of like healthcare, right? Healthcare is always a great business because nobody wants to die. Period. <laughs> End of story, right? And and real estate is a great business because people are always going to need some place to live and a place That's to work. That's right. Turns out people don't like living outdoors. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I was trying to rent out my son's, you know, treehouse, but it wasn't working out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, so you've been, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the real estate, a little bit more about the real estate side. So you mentioned you got your start in these smaller properties. Now you're doing these really big things and you're doing development. Um, tell us a little bit, have you been doing all of this on your own? Do you have partners? Do you have investors? And what is sort of the, your vision or your plan for your real estate portfolio? So I have been doing all of this on my own. It's actually been interesting because I try, I tend to learn by doing, I'm not a person that if you put a book in front of me, um, you know, I, I don't learn that well. I, I got to sort of just bang my head against the wall, make my mistakes and, you know, recover it and, and move forward. And all of my mistakes have at that point in time been very painful, but they're just such great lessons that have helped me save more than it cost me in the long run, if that makes sense. So tell us one, give us one mistake sure. that you made. So, yeah. <laughs> so on my first building that I, well, it wasn't my first building, but the, the building I bought in Foxborough, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this deal. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, I had to like negotiate with four different, you know, owners and we finally got the deal done and, you know, I had an inspection done and I was like, okay, well, I guess everything looks all right. It's great. All right. Like, you know, I'm still running my other business. Right. So this is sort of like a side project and I'm like, okay, yep. Awesome. And uh, like day two after closing, like two HVAC units go down. I have an elevator that's been in the building since like 1900 that like leaks oil everywhere uh, you, you know the, the whole uh front like walkway and handicap ramp like where like the, the wood was like when you walked oh, down it was no. very spongy so uh, spent an incredible amount of money on renovating that building to where it is now and but I, I learned a lot of lessons, right? Like HVAC is really important and it's expensive. And, you know, so when you go into a property that you're interested in looking at, you want to make sure that those things are inspected. You want to make sure you bring in an HVAC guy, not just a building inspector or a person that does that, you know, for your home inspection, right? They go around and they're like, yeah, this looks okay. And that looks okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's really important that you bring in somebody that can sort of unbolt it, take the screws off, look inside and say, yeah, you know, that fan isn't running, you know, or <laughs> this elevator, you know, we bring in our elevator company to look yeah. at any elevators now. And they, they all obviously assess it and tell us, you know, well, it's going to be, you know, it's at end of life and to replace it, it's $150,000 or, you know, whatever the cost is for those things. And, Parking lots and paving gets expensive. And I found that out. And then roofs are always expensive. So if you're looking at a flat roof, 
get folks up there, make sure that the flat roof's not spongy or flopping in the air. <laughs> Those things are expensive. And, you know, it's good to know what you're buying. So it's a negotiation point, right? So if you go back to the seller and you say, hey, I just want to listen to you, let you know, you've got like three condensers at an end of life. You've got a roof that's leaking, you know, water everywhere. And, you know, uh, your, you know, your bricks need to be refaced. That's going to cost, you know, $300,000. I'm looking for you to take it off the selling price right now. You don't have to do that work right away unless it's mission critical, but at least you've sort of accounted for it, given thought and realized that, you know, these are expenses that are going to be coming up in the near future for you. And you've tried to adjust, you know, your purchase price for it. Um, I think it's just important to be knowledgeable about your, what you're getting into. Um, and I'm continuing to still learn things. And I think it's a process and it's important. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the things I stepped into. Um, and uh, there were, there were uh, good learning experiences at that point in time, I was sort of kicking myself. But now that I've acquired all these other properties, you know, as I go into the next property, it's like, okay, we'll make sure we check this, 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 this. And, uh, you know, oh, and septics, septics are really important to check uh, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you have a building that's on septic, make sure you get, uh, actually, that was a really interesting story too. So I am in the process of acquiring a very large industrial space, and it has four septic systems that were just put in in 2019. And everybody said to me, Rudy, like they're brand new. Why are you inspecting them? And I was like, because you never know, right? And one of the tenants is a painting company that paints like for your residential, but they come and they wash all their stuff back at oh. their shop and it blew up one of the septics completely. Leachfield all the way back up is junk. So, oh. you know, we did the inspection, <laughs> yeah. which was really important. And, but everybody was like, why would you do this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately that was, you know, it's a big cost that we found before we're going to close on this deal that now we're going to get the seller to fix. Yeah. I think that's such a key insight right there is to don't rush into it. Take your time, right? have your checklist. And that's the other thing is right. Like you probably couldn't have built that checklist from reading a book. It was like you painstakingly put together that checklist of due diligence items and you know exactly what to do now. And you're probably still learning with each deal. You're adding yeah. more to that checklist. Um, but it's, it protects you when you get into the deal, right? Because it gives you that confidence knowing that you've turned over every leaf and you know exactly what you're getting into. Right. Especially if it's a stretch building for you. Right. So if you're like, look, you know, I'm trying to level up to the next space. You know, I, my first building was a half million dollars. Now I'm going to do a $2 million building. And this is like a stretch thing for me. So, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm excited, but I'm a little nervous. So it's really important that, you know, if you're stretching financially, which is always a good thing to push yourself, that you know what you're doing and what you're going into, right? So um, that's why it's really important that you do those inspections, because if you're on the cusp and you do the deal, and you, but then all of a sudden $300,000 of expenses just pops up, now you're sort of in a tough spot. So um you know, and then you sort of naturally progress, right? Like, so, um, you know, cash on cash returns, you know, it used to be exciting for me to get, 
you know, a, a building that was going to throw off 40 grand a year after mortgage. Right. And now I'm like, eh, you know, the deals get bigger and they get more exciting, you know? So now I'm looking at ones that throw off two, three, four, $500,000 after mortgage, because um, they just make more sense. And, and then you're talking about resources too. Right. So just like how, if you look at like private equity funds, right. They don't want to buy, like if they have $3 billion to deploy, they don't want to deploy it in, companies that are doing revenue of like 50 million or 60 million or a hundred million, they want to take it and deploy it in five companies or 10 companies because there's a lot to manage, right? So as you sort of grow your portfolio, then you start looking at, okay, well, what's the bang for the buck? Like, is it worth, um, you know, me buying more buildings for like a million dollars, like, and I'm only going to get like 50 grand. So now I started looking at larger properties, um, that make more sense. And the other thing I would recommend to people is be patient. Look at a lot of properties before you decide that this is the one that you're going to purchase. Like, you know, we look at so many properties every year before we actually pull the trigger on something and be comfortable backing out of a deal too, if it's not where it's going to be. So, you know, there's deals that we invest money in and we'll have $10,000, $20,000 in attorney fees in the deal. And we then say, look, you know, this isn't worth going forward. There's environmental issues or there's structural issues or there are other things that make this not make sense. But instead of forging forward and being like, well, we're already 20 grand deep, you got to pull back out because otherwise you're going to be in way deeper than you need to be. So I think there's just a lot of things that, um, you know, it's it sort of be disciplined and um, be intelligent about the way you look at things and, um, you know, be fearful, but also be brave at the same time. So, you know, listen to your gut and, you know, take those directions that your gut's like, yeah, I don't know if this is the right thing. Listen to that, but also manage it and make sure that you're not just backing out out of fear because you can't get forward or you can't move forward without, you know, you're not going to have hundred percent perfection all the time. You're going to have mistakes and you're going to have failures and you have to fail forward. But I think that the other important thing is if you want to endeavor in this space, you just have to pull the trigger and do it and use the first one to leverage the second one. Um, and, and, you know, burn the boat, burn the bridge, like go to the other side, like do it. And like, there's no turning back. Cause a lot of people want to sort of stick their foot in the water, but, um, it's just such a great space to be in and there's so much opportunity. Um, and I know it's, it's passive investments and they like to call it passive investments and it's great from a taxation standpoint too, but don't be passive about the investment. If that makes sense, it's a passive income, but don't be passive about it and be engaged with your business. Cause it's a business and, you know, just like nonprofits that I'm on the board for, you know, I'm always, mindful and I say, listen, guys, I know we're a nonprofit, but we need to run our business. So we should run this as a business as if it was a for-profit. Such wise words. I think the part that resonated with me most was be fearful, but also be brave. And I think that speaks to so much about this space is like, be, do your due diligence, um, but not so much that you get stuck and you don't do anything is still, still move forward, but make sure that you're doing it with, uh, intent and with purpose. Yeah. A lot of people are always looking to have a hundred percent of all the information, 
before they make a decision. And I have never been that person. And I don't think you ever make decisions if you have to have a hundred, you have to, I have probably have 50, 60% of all the information that I need. And then I say, okay, we're doing this. And then you got to go with it. And, you know, you can't, you can't turn back. Um, if I waited to have a hundred percent of everything, I never would have bought my pharmacy. I never would have left working for somebody else. You know, I never would buy buildings because you don't know everything. And you, so you can just do your best sort of diligence till you get to a place where you're like, okay, I think this is a good opportunity. And all my, all my businesses and all my buildings have all worked out to be great opportunities. Um, and they've all appreciated in value and they have all brought new, new tenants in that are always willing to pay more. And of all, and all of my tenants have always complimented our team after we go in and take over a building because it's night and day, you know, we, we renovate them where we are very service oriented to our tenants. We know all of our tenants. We're there every single day, um, frequenting our buildings. So if there's ever a question or something comes up, you know, it's just, and I think that's, that's the most important thing. Um, if you want to get the maximum amount of rent and income is to develop your reputation um, for whatever business you're in. Mm. Well, Rudy, I know we've just scraped the surface. You have so much knowledge and wisdom and experience to share. So I know our listeners are going to want to follow up with you. Tell them what's the best place or what's the best way for them to follow up with you and learn more. Yeah. So if they want to email me, it's my first initial last name. So it's R, D as in dog, A as in apple, J as in John, I as in ice cream, E as in elephant at outlook.com. Okay. Well, perfect. Rudy, thank you so much for being here with us today. I know I've learned a ton and I'm sure our listeners have as well. To all the listeners, be sure to take Rudy up on his offer and follow up with him. As you've heard, he's had a ton of experience in this space doing all sorts of different things. So no matter where you are in the journey, he's a great person to have in your corner. Well, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch all of you on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com and please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight community.